entrepreneur show how are you i'm doing well thanks for having me oh it's great would you mind kicking us off with a little introduction where are you uh anything you want to share fun personal anything good okay okay i can give you a little background uh so my name is dr cheryl luther i am currently located in windsor ontario although i'm a u.s citizen um so my clientele ranges all over the united states And when I say clientele, I help small businesses grow uh, using operations and the data pieces of a business to help them just be bigger and better and take some stress off of their life. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, I I used to like the way, well, I still like the way you used to say it. Um, The non-sexy stuff. That's what I Yeah, the non-sexy stuff that I think gets people's attention pretty well. And we just left a group and and one of the things you just said was SWOT analysis. And, Mm -hmm. and I wonder the more I'm learning about entrepreneurs and stuff is the more I'm learning how much business stuff they may not know, even though they bring a whole shit ton of other skills to the table. So I think what you're doing is pretty incredible. So there's, there's a little more to your background. I think you were a little humble do you, do you want to talk about maybe what led you to this and, and why this is your passion? Sure. So, so my story started way back when I was a kid. Um, I didn't have a great growing up, but I knew I had a pathway out. So my pathway out at that time was playing athletics, playing soccer. So I had played my tail off so I could get a scholarship to go to college. Um, that was my main goal in high school was just to get a scholarship. So I had great grades. I played my tail off and I made it to uh, division two um, college. I earned my degree in communications and then had no idea what I wanted to do at that point. I just had gotten to that goal. (laughs) (laughs) I took about a year. uh, I ended up playing pro football in that year, Um, but I did a lot of soul searching in that year. What did I really want to do? And it all boiled down to, I really wanted to help people. And I thought I wanted to be a surgeon and then I realized that I pass out when I see blood. So I was not gonna be a surgeon. <laughs> I still wanted to help humans. I wanted to help the human body athlete, athletes and athleticism uh, really intrigued, intrigued me then and still does to this, this day. And I thought, how can I incorporate this into my next big move, my profession? And I decided that chiropractic is the, was the way for me. So I went down to Georgia, I went to Life University I earned my doctorate down there as well as my master's in sports injury management. And from there, I realized, oh crap, I need to do something with this. I, I need to open a clinic. I never really thought about that piece. I just thought I would go work for somebody else or I could be a part of a bigger group and, and stay on mission and just help people. And as I grew into this new space, I realized that that wasn't a reality in, in, being a healthcare practitioner. To be extremely successful, you typically have to go out on your own and you have to be able to to learn those lessons. And I had not set myself up to learn those lessons. I had had solely focused on 
the human body and making that at its highest potential. So I graduated, I decided to open a clinic and I fell flat on my face because I had no business skills whatsoever. Uh, my patients were getting great results, but my business was just kept tanking. So I eventually had to shut that down. And um, then I bounced around. I was an independent contractor. I was an employee for a bit. I was trying to find where I fit and I just, I couldn't really find that niche. So I started taking some classes in business. And as I started taking more and more classes, I noticed that I was able to identify things in the clinics that I was in and what was going well and what wasn't going well. And I had learned enough and I kept, I kept taking classes, kept learning, kept, kept learning, kept learning more classes. And I eventually decided, okay, I'm going to try this one more time on my own. So I opened a clinic and this time it was like stark night and day from the first time to the, this time. I was extremely successful. I, I understood the business. I understood what needed to happen, when it needed to happen, how it needed to happen and who I needed in my sphere to be able to make those things a reality. Um, so along the short of it, that part is I ended up playing soccer and football way too hard and I couldn't bend over a chiropractic table for the rest of my life. So I had to make a hard decision and I had to sell that practice. Uh, but I still wanted to help people and the business side really, the, that, that flame started to become a raging fire and I really enjoyed the business side of things. So I ended up in corporate and I was in management and I was able to take all the principles that I learned from failing in practice and then being successful in small practice to this corporate entity. And we were wildly successful. We went from 9 million in, in programs to over 30 million in three years with the things that I had put in place. It was, it was really fun to see. It was exciting to see the employees be engaged and working really hard towards one single goal. And the company was turning and looking at us going, what are you guys doing? So it was really fun to be kind of that, that oddball kid in the, in the corporate world where people want to know what we were doing. So they flew me all over the world to teach other groups what we were doing, which was really, really fun. Um, and, you know, anybody who's in corporate or has been in corporate understands the pressures and the travel and the stresses and being a chiropractor and my root is health and wellness. I knew that my health and wellness was starting to dwindle. And that wasn't at the forefront anymore. So I made a really tough decisions to decision to walk away from, from corporate um, to do my own thing and uh, better my health, better my fitness and uh, stay true to my core values and what I stand for. And from there, I've been uh, consulting one-on-one. -on -one. Now with COVID, it's been a little bit different. Um, it's harder to be inside a facility and helping people one-on-one face-to-face. So I've, I've turned my focus a little bit more to the online space, of course, virtual classes and whatnot. Um, so just trying to reach as many people as I can to help them help their business thrive. Like I've seen so many times it can happen. I have a couple questions for you. Okay. One is, one is I'm going to be selfish. This really isn't the entrepreneur part of it, but who knows, maybe there's corporate people listening and maybe they're having the problem that I had. You said that you took it from 9 million to 30 million. So you had some latitude, right? So mm -hmm. I'm curious, because I knew I had that potential, but because it was corporate, there were so many bosses you had to get past for everything. Can you tell us how you overcame that hurdle? Or, I mean, were you just a good politician? What, what was going on there? Uh, you know, there are a lot of moving parts in corporate. Each corporate facility is different. 
Um, so I was lucky enough that I had a boss that um, I was able to convince that these were the right things to do. And, and she gave me the latitude to go ahead and do most of them. Um, there were a lot of things that she gave us direction to do, but she didn't necessarily handhold me on how to do it. And so I had a lot of freedom to be able to maintain my, my employees and be able to treat them well, but then also help them grow their employees. So we had developed, we did a number of um, strategic meetings in the very beginning when I got there. I wanted to see what the lay of the land was, what we were dealing with. So we did a ton of strategic meetings and then we narrowed down our focus to one thing. So we had one catalyzing statement, one thing that we were going for, and that was our 10 year goal. And from there, I was able to structure our org chart to be able to fit the needs to get to that point. And then also we would always continually, um, on a quarterly basis, we had our strategic meetings and we would whittle down what were the most important goals during that period of time. So quarter, a quarter is three months. In corporate, that's a long time. In small business, that can feel like an eternity if something if, if something's gone wrong, right? Yes, yes. So our so what we would do is we would whittle those goals down and we would focus solely on those goals. The things that were going to move the needle the most for the business at that time, heading toward that big 10-year goal. And so the the management above me started to see that we were getting traction. So the more traction we got, the more eyeballs were on us, but not necessarily the handholding. They, they were interested to see what we were doing, but they weren't trying to tell me what, how to do it. So it was a kind of a, I, I would do something, they would see, they'd be like, okay, that's cool, thumbs up, uh, just keep going. And so they were watching, but they weren't necessarily telling me what to do. So I had a lot of freedom in that respect. And I know that's not necessarily the case in a lot of corporate places. Wow, that is, that is really awesome. Uh, and it definitely clarifies where my struggles were because my boss was a little bit more handholding to say the least. But you bring up a good point. I know for me, as, as I get to develop my own entrepreneur stuff, all the things that I didn't like about corporate is what I apply into my business now. And I love what you said about the planning. I mean, my, my one company is what, five months old and we've already had our, we had our Q4 meeting. We've already had our Q1 meeting. That corporate stuff kind of gets into us. Like I always love listening to you talk because I get you. And I know that the things that light you up, light me up, not, not the sports. I can't do the sports, um, <laughs> but I can't do blood either. So um, I'm with you there and I'm with you on all that business stuff. So how important, I hear it in your corporate story. Can you speak to the entrepreneurs about how important goals and quarterly planning and those kinds of things are in a small business? I mean, who, who needs them? We're small. It doesn't matter, right? Oh, no, they, it matters. It matters. Uh, similar to what we were talking about earlier today about focus and knowing what to focus your attention and time on. As a small business or an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, you only have so many hours in a day. We get 24 hours in a day and you need to sleep and you need to eat and you need to take care of yourself. Those are musts. So that really whittles down how many hours that you can work during a day. If you're not completely focused on what you're going to accomplish, you're not gonna accomplish anything. You're just gonna run around like a chicken with your head cut off. So having these goals, having, having a, a place 
to put your attention in a road roadmap that you can follow day in and day out to get to your destination is going to be absolutely critical to stay on track. Um, slow, a, a, a single entrepreneur has to wear a lot of hats. You've got financial, you've got HR, you've got, um, you, you're planning, um, you know, you, you're worrying about your taxes, you're worrying about uh, potentially insurance for yourself. You're worrying about how to grow your business. You're thinking about how can you serve your client? There's a lot of stuff. What you need to do is, is take a, a broad, big picture, look down upon your business, take yourself out of it. So you're not in your business. You're looking, you're working on your business. Look at your business and see where you want to go in the next year. And then you start whittling down those goals on how are you going to get there? And you put some action steps in place and that's gonna get you down to your daily stuff that you need to focus on. If you try to do everything, nothing's going to get done. So it's the same if you're a solo practitioner, if you're a small business or if you're in corporate. So something that I also wanna comment on for small businesses in particular a lot of us can't afford employees to do stuff for us. So that's where VAs come in extremely helpful because you can delegate some of the stuff that you know that needs to get done that you may not be proficient at or even partially good at. Uh, so that's, that's another avenue to be able to stay on track and delegate some of the stuff that you're not so good at or don't want to do. Yeah, I, I actually learned dele, delegatable tasks. I don't know if delegatable is a word. I'm trying to get it in the dictionary. Um, but that I actually learned that as a floral manager in the stores. What Valentine's Day would come and we would do 10 times a normal week's business. And the designers needed to design because they had that skill and you couldn't teach that to anyone else. So they shouldn't be on the cash register. They shouldn't be answering the phone. That's where like my foundation about that comes and I'm always in scale mode because of going through those peaks and valleys. Um, so I, I appreciate that you said that. And I have a, I have a couple questions. I, I love okay. your wisdom. So I'm going to take full advantage of it. So do you have any suggestions on how people could get comfortable with that idea? Cause like you said, you're wearing a lot of hats. Do do you find that like your clients, for example, maybe don't want to relinquish things to be able to share them? And can you maybe share some insight on that? Is it detrimental? What does that look like? Sure. I think this is a really tricky space for small businesses to be in because it's so personal. They've, they've started it from their heart. Typically, um, they're the ones that have put the hard uh, the sweat, the blood, everything that they are into their business. And it's really hard to let go. So what I suggest, and this is not for everybody, but it's a suggestion, is just start out small. Know when you need some help. A really great place to start, I just interviewed a, a bookkeeper. That's a really great place to start. Interview a handful of book, bookkeepers, maybe five or six. Make sure that your personalities drive. Make sure that they understand your needs and delegate that work. Just one piece of it, just your daily books, delegate that one piece, learn each other, trust each other, build that relationship. Once you build that relationship, then you'll be more apt to trust them with more stuff. Or if they have a recommendation for say payroll, then they can 
uh, help you with taking that off your plate. And the more that you do, the more that you'll trust. And just do one piece at a time. If you do it all at once, you will be overwhelmed, just like we just said before. It's easier to just do one piece at a time. Make sure that that's trusted and that your, your needs are being met. And then move on to the next piece. That's a, that's a great perspective and approach. You reminded me of something else that you said when talking about the corporate piece. I can't believe how many questions that's triggering for me. So let's say we have an entrepreneur who is already delegating and stuff. Um, oh my God, I lost my train of thought. It has to, oh, I know. You said that you were empowered. So then you were able to move the needle on that big business. So I mm -hmm. wanted to call that out. It's more of a call out than a question, I guess, is because if we allow our teams or people that are helping us they can make a pretty significant difference if we allow them to. Obviously not blank checks or whatever, but I think that that was an important point to mention. I 100% agree. And I think that that really comes down to being a great manager. And a lot of us in the entrepreneurial space, a small business space have to learn those skills of being a really great manager. And some of, the, some of my clients, some of my newer managers, what I like to talk about with them is management by objectives. So when you hire somebody, when you bring somebody into your space, whether it's a VA on a part-time basis, independent contractor, employee, no matter who that person is, you still have to build that relationship. And you still have to be able to give them tasks, trust them enough to do those tasks, and then have feedback. So that feedback loop always has to take place so you can trust them with more and more. You can't just say, here you go, here's the project, make it happen. They're going to be like, okay, dude, what, what do you want? And then they'll come back with something really wild. And you're like, ah, you're fired because you can't, you don't understand. Management by object, objectives is here's the project. Here's the outline. This is what I expect. Go take a look at it. Let's talk in a day or two, 24 hours, 48 hours. Let's answer any of your questions. And then you go ahead and you take care of this project. And we will meet back in three days five days a week, whatever. And we will talk about it again. You have to train your individuals to know what you want to get what you want, help, help them help you. So it's a compute, it's a communication piece. So management by objectives is meaning here are the things that I need from you. And these, these tasks are the things that I need from you. And we're going to have continuous conversations about whether or not you're meeting my expectations or I'm giving you the information that you need to be successful. So it's an objective. Did you do it or did you not do it? Have you been successful? Have you not been successful? So you're able to have that conversation. So to be clear, and again, this is my old wounds talking, so I'm sorry. An objective and having these conversations isn't necessarily the how to get to the objective, but maybe more the why or what the maybe what the results are that kind of tie into your expectations. It's not, you need to go press this button or go to this website, right? Mm -hmm. I, I want to call that out because there are, there are folks that don't know, which, which triggered thinking about, like you said, hiring, hiring's a skill in itself. Oh yeah, definitely. definitely. Right. So that's just one little piece. And if you screw up hiring, that's going to be very costly for mm -hmm. all the people that you're redoing. And I imagine there's a certain number where people start looking in the mirror and going, oh, why is it, why is this not working out? Yeah. 
so I think that's a really important point that you made. It's it's really about the objective, the the thing that you need done, and you allow your employee or your independent contractor or whomever to go do it their way as long as they fit in with your criteria. And that's where the communication piece happens. Yeah, I you love give them enough freedom to do it. They're going to do a really good job for you as long as you have that open communication with them. I met with my team last week and I was like, why are we stalling? Like, what's going on? What am I doing wrong? Right. I have nine of them. And I was like, I want you to be honest. Bobby, I don't think you should touch anything with technology. They told me. <laughs> <laughs> they, said, they said, we'll do it. You just like record the podcast. You do the thing and we'll take care of all that. Perfect. I was, I was getting in their way because it's not my strength, even though I have a degree that says I'm good at technology. Um, so paper lies, I guess it, it was just really cute, but I work really hard at making that environment where they can feel comfortable telling me that because That's not, especially I'm dealing with a different culture, right? Like I just learned to me, job performance reviews are very important to me. That's the managing the big objectives or the long term, right? And they need the feedback. They're not punishment. Like you should never have anything in a review, in my opinion, and I'm sorry, I want this to be about your opinion more than mine. No, go ahead. Um, but, but what I didn't know when I told them I wanted to do annual reviews and I want to tie it to salary. And, and this is stuff that is important to me because I used to get so pissed off when I got the same raise as everybody else, but I knew what the contribution and sales levels were different. So I like reward performance. Um, but in the Philippines, reviews mean you're getting fired. It was, there was a cultural breakdown. So if we're not having these conversations, like, and luckily they raised their hand and they're like, what do you mean a review? Like, we're going to lose our jobs. I had no idea. And I might not be saying it exactly right, but it had a whole different meaning. But what do you, what's your take on reviews? You're, you're, it looks like you're agreeing with me. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think reviews are absolutely crucial. Um, so I think reviews are important on a quarterly basis because you have quarterly goals. Everybody has their set of objectives that they need to accomplish. And I, I feel that their bonus should be tied to those objectives. Whether you, you I, I prefer three to five objectives per employee. And it's usually about 3% of their salary. And they either get all of it or they don't get any of it. It's, it's all or nothing. You do it or you don't do it. And we talk about what things can be better. Um, what things, how can we, how can we challenge you next time with, with, but still being within reach? Uh, so you have to balance those, those goals, but I do think that they need to be on an annual and a quarterly basis. Thank you. I like that. I just learned something from you too, the, the all or nothing in the quarterly. All right. I want to go back to you and what you do today for your clients, because mm -hmm. what I heard was you went back to college and you got all that education. You went to corporate and you got all that education. And those are things, they're intangibles, right? Like that's X amount of years of your time. Even the failure of the first business sure. puts it, you know, makes it who you are and what you do. So tell me what someone who doesn't necessarily have the skill set in the business side, or that would be, you know, kind of more like the first situation. What, it, how do you work with them? How long's the process? What does that look like? Sure, sure, sure. So uh, right now I have a couple of different offerings that I'm helping people with. Um, the entry level is a four-week course that I uh, go through some of the, the basics of, of the business. And uh, right now we're really focusing on, in this cohort that's going through right now, we're really focusing on hiring. 
and all the different pieces that we've just talked about goals and, and percentages and stuff like that. What does that mean? Um, then there's other, there's, there's deeper uh, courses that we can go into six months, more of a coaching one-on-one um, -on -one coaching. Um, but ultimately what I'd really love to do and the, how I learn the best is face-to-face -face with other individuals and not just one-on-one -on -one coach, but a group of us because groupthink can be extremely educational. I have not encountered every single incident that there ever could be out there. So maybe you have something different than I have. I don't know. Um, if we can get together in a, in a room and discuss different problems and try to come up with solutions to those problems together, that's ultimately my end game. I want to have cohorts that travel around the world. We are uh, approximately 25 to 30 people max. We travel on a quarterly basis. We talk about your quarterly goals. We, we do some deep dive on mindset and um, how to get to your goals. And we do some hot seat work. So individuals get to sit down and they get to say, this is my problem. I'm not sure what to do. And then people can fire questions at them. So we can try to pull it out because I truly believe that most of us have the answer inside. It just hasn't come to light at, at that moment. So um, ultimately that's, that's where I'd like to take a lot of my clients. But initially the first step is a, a four week course. Wow, I, I love that. And you verbalized it in a way. My, like I wanna do some sort of more about the hiring or, or the foundational stuff to expanding the team. And I knew I didn't want to do it one-on-one. -on -one. I knew I wanted to do it in a group, but I couldn't articulate why I want to do it that way. Like I knew that I want different experiences and stuff. And that's really what it is. And, and I'd learn more too, right? Having different For businesses. Sure. So how do you handle, is there the stuff that you teach? Is it staples, no matter whether you're a hairdresser or a chiropractor? Like, what does that look like? Is, yeah, it, is it pretty? That's awesome. That's a great question. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> what kind of widget you have, or you're trying to sell, or you're trying to develop, this works. These are just sound business principles put in a methodical way that actually makes sense that anybody can use, that it applies everywhere. Like I said, I was in a small, I was in a small practice, I was in a medium-sized practice, and I was in corporate. And these tools work inside and out. Is they're just great tools. Awesome. Do you have any thoughts of things that I'm not asking? No, you've, you've asked some really good questions so far. <laughs> well, the stuff you do, like, that's why I get a kick out of you calling it the not sexy stuff. Cause it's the stuff that gets like, that lights me up. And that's why I love hearing you talk. I feel like I have, a an ally of sorts, you know, like the stuff that you talk about, I, I loved going to college for business and working my career at the same time. It was so complimentary. If I went to college right out of high school, I wouldn't have retained it. It wouldn't have had any value. It would have meant nothing. The impact is just so much different. It, it when, is. When you're that age or you don't, you don't really have that, that mindset or the, that skill set to absorb those tools. And I actually, this is my belief is just like you were able to propel, I think that's what would have gotten me to propel because I was as current as you could get, right? Like the other mm -hmm. employees have been there. Well, I know what's going on because I'm getting that college or I'm writing the papers. 
I used to do my homework based on what was happening in projects at work, right? It was just, it, it made you better at work because you wouldn't normally write a 10 page paper or do that much research on any one thing. Right, it'd be boring. Yeah, so so basically though, if, if I'm hearing you right, like you're saving people going to college for two years or four years or, or doing the thing if, if you can get that foundation of principles to them in this expedited six month or world travel or, or, or those things. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think college is, is what a great experience. Uh, emotionally, physically, you change, um, you know, intellectually, you change. I think college is a great thing, but I think these skills can be learned, not necessarily in a classroom. I think that having the experience learning from somebody who's been there, listening to the case studies, talking about the case studies, I think that's extremely valuable to be able to learn from somebody who's already been there rather than a professor who's potentially there because they couldn't make it on their own. They couldn't, they couldn't do it in real life. So they're, they're teaching it, which is unfortunate that there are a lot of professors like that. Um, like I said, I love college. I have a, I went to college for a long time, but I learned these lessons outside of college. I imagine this, this will be my hypothesis on you is that the reason you like the business stuff is because you don't have to do all that crazy research and stuff, right? Like to have your doctorate, you got to do all that APA and all that junk. Yeah. See that alone gets me excited about not being in college anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy college. Uh, I, I earned my doctorate. There's no doubt about that. Um, I don't regret it, but I am, this stuff lights me up in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm seeing. I'm just, I'm actually just picking on you because I struggled with that stuff so bad. And, <laughs> and I got a, like, it was the difference between an A and a B. The teacher was busting my chops about the right parentheses and indents. And I'm like, are you kidding? It's a meat and potatoes thing. But in this world that we're living in now, like this virtual world and working with the clients directly and stuff, it really is rubber hits the road, cut through the stuff. Mm -hmm. So that just works better for me. That's, yeah. that's awesome. I don't really like fluff. I like just to get down to stuff that works. Yeah. So how can people find you? Sure. Uh, so right now we're, we have a Facebook group um, and we can maybe put a link somewhere with, uh, with the rest of this information and that's free. And then otherwise you can look me up on Facebook, Dr. Cheryl A. Luther, uh, Hopefully by January, we've been working on this quite a while. The website should be ready to go. Um, and, and that will be, I'm not going to give the link because we've had a couple of issues with it. So um, as soon as I have it for sure, I will make sure that it gets posted with, with your podcast. I, I feel you on that. I had, <laughs> I'm having speed bumps too. That's one of the lessons I've learned the hard way. Don't use a no name domain person because then when you want your domain, you can't get it back things mm -hmm. like that. But those are things nobody tells you because nobody thinks to tell you, I guess. Right. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you one more time. Is there anything else you want to mention or shout out? And then I'm going to ask you my, my secret question. Secret question. Ooh, this is going to be fun. Um, I think the last thing that I'd like to kind of sum up with is for, for your listeners uh, in business, in my opinion, there are really six different pieces to the puzzle and that's plan, process, people, data, culture, and then your X factor. And that's really about your focus and attention that we had talked about. 
So if you can, if you can fill in those six pieces, you're going to have a really, really robust business that's going to be successful. Can you do that slower? Sure. <laughs> please. <laughs> <laughs> the six pieces? Yes, please. Plan, process, people, data, culture, and then the X factor. I like the X factor because it's all about growing and revisiting and fine tuning what you've learned in the other five categories. Okay. That makes sense. Sorry. You just went fast. That just means you know your stuff, I guess. Okay. And the reason my question is a secret is because none of the recordings I've done have aired. Once they aired, everybody will know my question. And I want, I like asking it without any thought because I get different crazy answers. So, oh boy. All right. It's really, it's not that bad. It's what is your, it doesn't have to be business related, but what is your favorite book? Oh, I have a lot. Um, so as I mentioned, I'm here in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm a U.S. citizen. So my home is actually in Plymouth, Michigan. Um, I'm living here with my wife. This is our home here, but I've been before COVID, I was back and forth. And my office is full of books in Michigan, and I miss them so badly. I have walls and walls of books. Uh, so favorite book. That's a tough one. You know what? I really love um, going way, way back to Napoleon Hill. I think that is a really good start for any early entrepreneur and any any small business person that wants to kind of revisit why they got into business. And I love the story about the gentleman and the vase. So the vase was, uh, he was tasked with buying this vase and bringing it back to this other gentleman. And he went through so many different obstacles to be able to buy that vase and get it to the individual that requested it, that it shows that you have to, you are going to constantly have to overcome hurdle after hurdle and and just insurmountable. Like you think that there's no way that this can happen. And this gentleman in the book talks, uh, goes through how he, he thought through that he must, it's not that he can, he must, and he he is actually very successful at the end. And that's kind of like a, a broad summary of, of a part of the book. But I just think it's so insightful that small business is hard. It's not easy. And you're going to run into a shit ton of hurdles. And you're just going to have to keep going. And you're going to have to find a way around or over those hurdles. So you just got to keep pushing. Love it. And you are referring to Think and Grow Rich? Yes. Okay. Just just double checking. Yep. Um I listen to it on audio bike book on my bike. And when you're biking, you have sometimes have to pay attention so you don't fall in the river or get attacked by a goose. So yeah, that's important. I uh, might not have retained it all. So, well, Dr. Cheryl, this has been a pleasure and an honor. I, I got some great valuable nuggets and uh, you're just, everything that comes out of your mouth is gold. So I appreciate you. I appreciate being on. Thanks for having me. All right. And we'll make sure that all your links are in all the places. Cool. Sounds good. If you're not